listeners. Welcome to the Dream Stream podcast. I am Yiska Cook, and today we are doing a dream group because we want to show everyone or anyone just how rich it is to share projections from various points of view. So I have with me two of my good friends, dreamers, Ellen Ronis and Brendan Merritt. Hello, guys. Hey. Hey. Hi. Hi. Brendan, you're just home from work. So, you tired? No. (laughs) Is your audio on, Brendan? No, I don't think your audio is on. We can't hear you. This has become universal symbol for we can't hear you. Like this is the one for I'm choking. This is the one for I'm choking. Somehow, yeah, somehow I was muted. There we go. (laughs) So yeah, what I was saying, um, yeah, I'm freshly home from work. Uh, Just got out of the decontamination booth and freshly showered. You know, all hosed down. Wow. But what do you mean? You're like just speaking metaphorically. like. Uh, no, literally. I mean, I work in a medical office and, you know, basically to make sure I'm not contaminating anybody at home. Routine is first thing I do is, you know, take off my work clothes, yeah. hop into the shower and, yeah. you know. Oh, totally. Totally. Yep, a good hot shower. Yep. Yeah. That's really just, smart. Yeah. Nice and relaxing anyway, so. Yeah, it's, it's a nice way to get the day off of you, you know. Yeah, yep. So yeah. you're fresh out of the shower. <laughs> yep. Welcome. So um, I wanted to just jump right in. And Ellen and I were just talking about a dream that you hadn't told me about, Ellen. Yeah, I thought I told you about it the other day, but I guess I didn't. But I would be very interested to hear about it right now. Okay. It's a really short one. Um, I was in a um, a kind of a strange makeshift tent that had a funny angle. It was very big. Um, I don't know where we were, outdoors somewhere. And I was with an old friend from Brooklyn, a very close old friend. And um, I think I was at her wedding or something. And we were sleeping in the tent together, but we weren't she was at one end and I was at the other. And then she gets up to go like get married, you know, to go do the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And I feel very left behind. And I look over at her stuff and I see like a pipe, like a pot pipe or some kind of pipe. I didn't know what it was. It's not something I would in waking life see in her possession, but um, I don't know the meaning of that. But I, the feeling was... So when I woke up from that dream, what I was like saying to myself was, who is going to bury me if I die? Mm. I mean, I I don't, so I don't really know the connection to the imagery of the dream Mm. and that thought. I can certainly understand where that thought is coming from because I was watching on the news or listening somewhere on the news about these mass graves that people are digging for people who have been in morgues and not have had not been picked up 
Oh my goodness. Can yeah, you imagine? Like people can't get to their relatives. They can't get there. And they're just taking these bodies and throwing them in some mass grave. So I'm sure that got into my eyesight. Pandemonium. Yeah. And that's so amazing. that was that like who's gonna who's gonna bury that's, me? Like, that's that, amazing. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have yeah. a sense? Um, <laughs> if it's my dream, I'm wondering. I'll say this more in projective and dream work terms. Do they have a sense that um, the pipe maybe had like tobacco and was part of some burial ritual? Mm. And that's why I thought of like, who will bury me? You know, was it, did it seem like that was part of, well, in her case, she's getting married, but it did, to me, it seems like ceremonial tobacco. Well, and I don't know that she was getting married. I was kind of conjecturing, but there was some kind of ceremony that was happening. Okay. So when you say that, it actually resonates somehow. Um, okay. Kind of resonates. Yeah. Um, I just wondered why I wasn't going with her to the ceremony yeah. in the dream. Like, you know, maybe I was going to go later. I don't know. But I, yeah, there was definitely a feeling if I was being left behind. Aren't I invited? <laughs> yeah, like what? I just, you know, like, it, like pres- presumptively I was kind of with her like purposefully the night before the okay. ceremony, you know. And then I was like, wait, what? what? You're going to go without me? Would it be okay to ask some clarifying questions? Sure. I'm going to make a really bad joke first because I'm a dad. Um, that dream sounds like it was intense. Oh, oh. oh. anyway, um, Claire, we need the wah, 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 wah sound effect. Um, but, uh, the tent, I'm curious, did it seem more like a camping tent or like a circus tent or like a, uh, like an event tent, like the one that you might see at an outdoor wedding? You, you were at uh, Sparky's wedding, right? Sparky. Who's Sparky? No. I mean, sorry, Rusty. Rusty. No, uh-uh. No. Okay, never mind. Um, yeah, yeah, it was kind of like an event tent. I mean, I know those big yeah. event tents. I got married in one of them. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, cool. But it was, it didn't have any sides. Okay. And it was a very funny angle. So it was more like a, like an open air, almost like, you know, like at a craft fair, hmm. you would see those little tents, but it was much bigger than that. And the roof, so to speak, was at a very odd angle. So are we like talking like cabinet of Dr. Calgary odd angle or? <laughs> I don't know what I'm that not, is. Okay. Uh, surrealist film from like the early oh. 19... Yeah, it was. 20s it or was. 30s with like everything, all the door angles are all weird and strange. Yes, and it was kind of like that, except there were no doors. The sides were all open. It was open air, but the top was weird like that, definitely. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't even... Right. Like, I don't know that it was possible in actual waking life to have the angles the way they were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell us a little bit more about the friend in the dream. Like, what is your relationship with that friend? And, yeah. you know, in terms of their place in your life and are you still in contact now? And great, great uh, question. It, so back in the day when know? I, yes, oh, yeah, you know? I most definitely know her okay. when I lived in Brooklyn, she was my best friend. We okay. connected and, and so for many years we were very, very close. And um, 
um, my ex-husband was her boyfriend before he was my husband. <laughs> oh, wild. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was a while after they broke up, but still a little bit of a no, no mm-hmm. in the girlfriend thing. Yeah. In the girlfriend world. And so we kind of parted ways around that and, um, which was really painful. I was, lo- it was like, you know, getting a husband and losing my best friend. Um, mm. but that was a choice that I made and we have mm-hmm. since reconnected and are, you know, we're sort of more Facebook friends than anything. Cause we're not in proximity. She's in LA and I'm in Santa Fe, but we're, we're very friendly, you know, on Facebook and things like that, but we, we aren't really, you know, mm. connected in, in, in that way anymore. Yeah. I'm finding personally, um, that with everything that's been going on, like some of those people who we normally might keep at the periphery, who we knew from way back when or whatever, are now starting to come out of the woodworks. Cause like, I think, you know, with the fact that we all are planning for our deaths as a potential possibility, um, you know, I think we're all kind of like going, huh? Yeah. I wonder about so-and-so gee, I haven't spoken to them in a really long time. I wonder how they're doing and people are like reaching out and, you know, people you haven't heard from in like a dog's age or like suddenly like, trying to reforge connections or at least touch base and check in, mm-hmm. you know, and it seems kind of random, but you know, I, the first thing I thought of when you said about the, who will bury me is like, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's something that's been on my mind, you know, and I've actually like literally gone and been looking at life insurance policies and stuff like that, mm-hmm. trying to figure out like, you know, if I died, I didn't, you know, didn't want to leave my current partner in a lurch. I obviously wouldn't want to leave my son in a lurch, mm-hmm. you know, and I would want there to be money to bury me, you know, not, mm-hmm. not that I want to actually be buried, but, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't mind being planted, but, you know, and under a tree, like a yeah. green, green burial or, yes. or a bonfire, one of, one of the other, um, <laughs> but, um, good choices. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. So, yeah, I think that's true. There's truth to that. It's, I have been noticing that as well, that I'm, I didn't think of it consciously of like, well, I could die soon. So I want to reach out to all these people. It's just happening. Like I think part of it is because we're all home. Well, you're not. And there are other people who are working, but many, many, many of us are home all the time. So we're on Facebook and we're on Instagram and we're just, so we're seeing, I'm seeing all the posts from people that I wouldn't normally see and I'm responding to them, which I wouldn't normally do. So I, you know, it's kind of coming to me that way, but, but I do wonder if there is that under current of end tomorrow. This is insane. Like, what the fuck? Oops, can I say that online? Oops. <laughs> can I say that on the podcast? I have no problem okay, with that. Okay, folks, you heard it. <laughs> the internet uh, censor police are coming to your door right now. <laughs> we don't censor. Oh, right. I mean, it's crazy. It's unlike, you know, I just was reading something. A woman was saying her son was born in 2001, in September, like right after the girls centers 9-11 and then he graduated high school senior in high school this year you know the year of the pandemic that the kids oh my gosh in their own ceremonies like we were raising up these next generations to be tough 
to be tough. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah they're going to need to be considering what we've done to the planet. Getting rough, <laughs> getting rough around here. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, this is. Um, I also wanted to touch on the pipe because um, you weren't clear about what kind of pipe it was. Did it, you know, in if you like try to put yourself back in the dream, like visualize it, what did it look like? Did it look more like a marijuana pipe or a tobacco pipe? Yeah, it was I mean, black and it looked, it was kind of like this long. Tiny. And it just okay. looked like a tube. It actually just looked like a tube. Oh, like a one hitter or something. Like a one hitter. Yep. <laughs> My favorite kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day. Don't do okay. that. Okay. What, what, what was, what time in your life did you use a one hitter? Was I, was I yeah. doing that? Um, Ooh, the was, black, the color is interesting too, actually. It, and I've never it. had anything that looked like that. You know, I always right. had these really pretty wooden with inlaid turquoise, you know. Or it looks like a cigarette. Do you ever see those? Pretty, pretty looking things. Um, you know, this one looks, it almost, like it almost reminded me of like a cigar or something. Or right. I think it had writing on it. It seems oh. like it had writing, like black with white writing on it. Wow. Almost like, uh, like, or like a pen, ah, like a pen. It like the like ones people give away for marketing purposes or? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like advertising, but it was little, it was like this big instead of like a, you know. um, It would be good I, to... have, I have been using a pen to um, sort of embellish some artwork, which is hmm. a little bit new for me. Um, so oh. who knows, maybe that got in there somewhere. Nice, nice. Yeah, there's a couple of different things going on there. For me, I mean, if it were my dream, um, the pen being like kind of dark black metal, almost like, almost seems like a symbol of death itself, you know, because it's this hard, unyielding substance that's cold. um, And it being a one hitter, like, well, yeah, I mean, death is a one hit. You get one shot. One, one shot. And, yep. One shot only. I also thinking about the symbolism of taking something in, which is what you do when you draw on a pipe. You're taking something into your body. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it changes your consciousness, be it tobacco or something else. You know, mm-hmm. it does change your state of being. Um, and that's the whole intention of it. Mm-hmm. So interesting that you said that this, particular person would not use anything like that herself so yes well if i'm every i'm sorry to interrupt no you're fine if i'm everyone in my dream i'm also her so i Mm want to know what uh qualities about her characteristics of her remind me of myself Hmm. when i think of her what do i think of hmm I don't know. I don't know if I could say what <clears throat> I could say what I could what I what about her. I can say what about her that like I so I always look at it like if there's a person like that um what are the qualities of that person? Yes. You know, and are those qualities that I have. Yes. Um yes. so yes. she is very sure of herself in a certain way. She's very good with being um um 
sort of changing her, changing her thing, whatever she does, sort of changing her title, changing what she does, kind of reworking it as she goes along. Uh, I'm I'm this type of coach and then I'm sort of doing that kind of thing. And then it's all related and similar and she's very smart and she's very good at every, all that, all that she does. Um, but, but that's, for some reason, that's like one of the first things that comes to me about her is her ability to sort of to flow and transition and be very, um, uh, I don't, vulnerable about it, transparent in a way, but also authoritative. Very authoritative. So she's kind of a chameleon. She, she's not necessarily, it's kind of like within the constructs of a certain type of work. She, she changes it up a little. She's like, Oh, that title didn't really fit. So I'm going to put another word in there and try that. Now I'm a, this type of a coach, but it's all, it's all in service of, you know, sort of being some type of um, leadership coach or something like that. I'm not even sure. It's (laughs) interesting to me because you have been talking, um, how can I put this in projective (laughs) dreamer terms? Um, you know, the dreamer has been talking about uh, moving from massage therapy, if that's your title for it, um, to something like coaching. So dreaming of this woman and that quality that I feel that gives me, that gives me some encouragement. Oh, I can switch it up. Yeah. Yeah. I can switch it up and just be okay with it not being, all perfect the first time out of the gate. Yes. Allowing myself to change it up in public. Like it's okay. So what I'm changing the title or the little, little bits of what I end up putting into my own coaching world, or if it even is going to be coaching, I have don't even really know, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think there is definitely something to that that she is that part of me. I love it. But she's also about to enter into this interesting ceremony, which, you know, um, denotes some kind of union, union, which is what a marriage is. Um, And I'm wondering, like, at what point in the whole thing do you say to yourself, who will bury me? Like, what is the poignant thing in the dream that makes you focus on that like is there something specific that's happening I think I just felt like completely left behind you know like she was going on to like have the her life and I was like left in this just Mm -hmm. left um I'm not so Mm -hmm. yeah um somehow between that and like waking it was definitely a very early morning dream it turned into that, like, and I don't know, I don't know why. Yeah. Have you been feeling like, I mean, obviously we're all in isolation right now. Um, Have you been feeling that really poignantly? I mean, I, I, no, actually, I mean, oddly, I, I am a person who could have that sort of abandonment thing going on. Um, But I, I'm not alone here. I actually live in a household with other people, a few other people. Um, and, and I'm feeling actually oddly, vi- <laughs> and animals. And, um, and I'm feeling very um, oddly connected to people via 
via, you know, Zoom and Facebook and all these other things. And very connected to my inner self in a way that I haven't been. So I don't feel abandoned. I don't feel lonely. Um, I have moments, but, um, and I don't, I don't really, I don't know. I don't have like a, a big fear of death. I mean, of course, I'm sure I do somewhere. It's not something I think about. Um, yeah, it's not generally something I think about and I'm not conscious of thinking of it, but I'm sure I'm just taking in, like there are people, hundreds and thousands and God knows millions, maybe people dying every day. I mean, they do every day anyway, but it's like exponential now because of this thing. So I'm sure it's really, you know, it's, it's seeping into my unconscious, whether I consciously think about it or not, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that death is possible or that, you know, my family member, my mother, my 84 year old mother who lives in New York, you know, could die. And I wouldn't. And goes for a walk. Is she social distancing now? Yeah. Oh yeah. She's doing all the right things. Okay, good. (laughs) She's behaving as she said. to. She was this a New York City lady, you know. She's, well, so she's out in Long Island. She's not actually. Okay. Being okay. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm taking a walk with my friend, and I don't care. I have to live my life. I'm like, okay, that's all right. I've heard that I've heard before. The facility. So I've heard that before. <laughs> she's like, it's okay if I die. I mean, that's how the older folk are thinking. Oh, thinking come of on, it. mom. It's okay if you stay in for a few months. Yeah, hang out. Mm. Um, yeah. Right. So, you know, also okay. in dream work, death can often symbolize transformation. Thank so, you. Yeah. I'm just thinking that, like that maybe it's not really death. Right. Um, so if I look at it as a transformation... Yeah, Brendan and I talked about that last time we spoke about transformation and the butterfly used as an example. And um, so I wonder, you know, who, so that question, who will bury me if I die? But if I turn it into who will, who will come along with me on this transformation? Mm-hmm. Or okay. or who will help me enter into that transformation fully? I mean, that's mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. People get so freaked out if they get like the death card in a tarot reading, and yeah, you know, it's been said over and over again. It's not literal death. <laughs> it's not right. meant to be literal. It's symbolic mm-hmm. transformation. Um, you know, you could think of it at the uh, oh, interesting. Um, you yeah. could think of it as like. In the, in the alchemical process, there's something that's called the negrato, um, which is one of the steps in getting toward the alchemical gold, and that's the putrefaction and blackening of something. And there's that color again, um, which mm-hmm. happens as it's a necessary part yeah. of getting to the gold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like the goo in the cocoon. Yep. You gotta yeah, like exactly. disintegrate. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, people people get freaked out when you change, too. Oh, yeah. Yes. They can't right? handle it. They can't. They, like, they don't know how to, you know. That's one of the reasons why I think I really loved being up away from everybody in a way. Yes. Because I, can, I feel like 
I didn't even know I needed this, but I can finally like just sink so deep into myself where I don't care what anyone is, you know, I'm not worrying so much about pleasing somebody else or, um, yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. 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 It means So, so much to kind of move away from the people you knew growing up. And then you mm-hmm. move away and then, you know, you reinvent yourself. You are who you are. Yeah. You show who you are. And I think sometimes you don't even know who you are because you're so busy, like even just a little bit, those threads, you know, of people, even people in my world today who are deeply spiritual and plugged in and, you know, creative and all of this is still like you are who you are with them. And suddenly you're not that, you know, you're changing it up a little bit. And it's, we're kind of like, hmm. <laughs> I mean, most of the people in my world are very, would be very supportive of that yeah. kind of a shift. But Beware, um, you're getting, people are getting to know you. <laughs> I was yeah. on for a little while in my life, I was on like, I have to move every four months, you know, before people get to know me, before I, I put those roots in, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of that whole process, though, is getting to know yourself, too. It's not, you know, just other people getting to know you. You need to... Absolutely. Like test, I don't know, test the waters, I guess, maybe feel out what the boundaries of that new shape you're transforming into feel like, mm-hmm. you know, and how does the suit feel if it's a suit or, yeah, you know, that costume or, you yeah. know, maybe the lack thereof. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Finding your comfort zone with that transformation. Yeah. Weddings to me always seem like high stress events. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you're not the one being married, like there's so many like weird social nuances and expectations that are part of the culture of the wedding, you know, that, I mean, as a guest, I've always like been like super anxious about, mm-hmm. you know, how do I present at this wedding? Like, you know, I'm, you know, if I'm there and I'm not a relative, why am I there? Like, and people who are looking at me who are you know, related to the bride or the groom are going, who's this guy, mm-hmm. you know? And there's a lot of like awareness for me about that kind of thing when I'm attending a wedding. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that you said the whole thing about the not being invited to the wedding though. Um, I had a personally had a close friend um, many, many years ago, uh, years ago. Um, who got engaged and then married to another mutual friend who I was not so close of a friend to, but I was not invited to the wedding. Uh, And I know what that felt like. I was kind of like, well, gee, like what is up with that? You know? And I just, I've never really known, um, you know, what that was about, but I'm sure that there was something going on that I was, hmm? did you date her? Oh, yeah, kind of something. Yeah. But I mean, it was, it had been long enough prior that. Yeah, but people are weird about stuff like that. Yeah, I guess. And that kind of stuff always surprises me. Animals, just like. Yeah, if it was so long ago, it seems like that's. And it was somebody that you were close to. It seems like that's something you get over, right? Yeah, you would think. But. Everybody's different, I guess, right? Say that again. Everybody is different, I guess. I guess. With stuff like that. 
Well, and I, ju- I just had an insight too that like she was going off to whatever ritual, a wedding, her her wedding or some some ritual, and I was you know in a way I just had this feeling like. I went into my normal, wait, well, like, what about me? And who's going to bury me? I don't know, you know, why, why I thought that exact thing's still a little unclear, but, but, um, but I have to go through that. I have to go through that separation in order to be able to sink into my new, my new suit, my new skin, my new way. Um, and maybe that's just what needs to happen is like they, people need to go not, you know, yeah. Some extraneous doesn't have to be people. It could be just symbolic of something like some way of being some way of thinking about myself, some way of being my own friend, you know, Mm -hmm. some old Mm -hmm. way that isn't serving me. That isn't, isn't good for me. Like maybe that just has to go off and do some some kind of maybe more ordinary thing, and I have to be left with this discomfort for a little bit until I can like you know the death, and then be reborn into something wow. else. Wow! Ooh. Wow! Yeah, it's just a little thing, just a fragment. <laughs> I know. It's funny from those little fragments, I tend to get like tons of information. Wow. Just a fragment. Yeah. I mean, something they may be exploding. Yeah. What about you, Brendan? Last time you didn't have a dream per se, but Kristen had a dream. Um, yeah, I've had a few dreams and most of them have been related to the COVID situation. Um, the one that really stuck out with me uh, recently was, you know, probably a day or two before some of the governors from some of the states were saying, Oh, well, we're going to free things up and let things go back to normal. Um, Mm -hmm. And like the night before I had this dream that things had gone, they basically had opened up New York and I was in New York city in the dream. Um, I believe I was like in Washington square park and, you know, the usual shenanigans of, you know, I don't know, I haven't been there enough lately to know what it's like, but historically, Washington Square was always like you know, a place where, you know, hippies, freaks, performers, punks, you know, it's what have you. dime bag. Huh? Yeah. Well, you know, here we are again, back on that subject. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it always kind of had like the atmosphere of like a party just simmering underneath mm-hmm. the surface of the street life. Um, so in the dream, they had maybe like just announced that day that they were going to open everything up. So people were all out in the streets and there was like this celebratory air wow. um, going on and like almost, I'd have to say almost like quasi erotic just wow. like the chemistry going on between people, just like this rejoicing in that. And, you know, you could see it on the faces of the people. And it was like people from all walks of life milling around. People were hugging and, you know, and in the dream, I was still there with a mask and gloves on going, I don't believe this. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this is not over. These people no. are all going to die. You know, this is dangerous and like, how could they be so foolish to think that this is actually over? And, you know, thinking about that and feeling that and being in the middle of that situation, 
And I know like being in that situation, there was a longing that was coming out of me and a sense that I really wanted to be able to partake and be celebratory um, with everyone else. But there was something that was saying, no, this is not ready yet. You know, it's not really time yet for this. So that was, and I, I was feeling anxiety about it definitely in the dream. Yes. Mm. Were, were there, was there anybody in the dream that you knew Um, from people? You know, it's funny. Like, I feel like I was there with people, um, but nobody was actually in my visual field. It was almost like I was standing in the crowd, maybe like two or three other people with me, behind me, sort of out of my direct line of sight. Mm-hmm. So like presences, mm-hmm. I want to say family, um, you know, but, and it could be, could have, just had been my partner and her kids but you know there was something maybe even more deep to it the idea of a familial connection Hmm. i've had a few other dreams where there have been like deceased family members coming through in them so you know and i think that dream actually segued into one where my grandfather who had passed back in 87 was there Hmm. wow yeah Really? Um, how, how did you feel when you in the dream or when you woke up from the dream? Like, what was the? You said you felt anxious. There was some yeah. I, th- I felt like I needed to catch my breath and like kind of like go, "Whoa, wait, was that real?" Mm. And I mean, this whole situation has been so surreal, and there have been so many moments like during waking life that have felt strange and dreamlike. Mm-hmm. That it was kind of like one of those dreams where you come out of it and you're like, "Wait." Was that a dream? Did that, that really happen? That happened. You know. That will that happen? Or we, yeah, exactly. Will yeah. that happen? Yeah. And, you know. Then hearing the news the following day about how all these places were saying, "Oh, it's going to end at the end of April. We're going to say everything's going to open at April April 29th or whatever," and I was just like, "You know, what is going on with the zeitgeist? Mm-hmm. Like about about yeah. that? Like." We all want it to end. That's really clear. Continuing. Mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is this is home. Hey, Levy. Home at work. <laughs> That's the way it is. That's the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm on. I'm on my podcast, hon. So you need to. Hi, Lev. Hi, Lev. No. No. Ah, yes. Okay. You're famous now, Lev. You're on the podcast. <laughs> the whole interwebs will see you. <laughs> yes. That's so big. Oh my God. I had a question. Ten. Um, so you said it was your your grandfather died in eighty seven? Yeah, nineteen eighty seven. Um and he has come through to me in dreams on a couple of occasions. Um Oddly, he hasn't come in for a long time. And I think, you know, when he first came through in my dreams, it was early after his death. And he came through as this weird, like, zombie, like, corpse-like creature. And I had a real strong sense that he was stuck 
in between. Like he hadn't fully transitioned and that he was still like lingering and didn't know he was dead. And Mm. there was a process around that that I had to work through Um, where he was in this dream. Now it was interesting. Um, I think, you know, somehow I transitioned from being, you know, in this New York city situation of being in the house I grew up in. Um, The quality of light was very nice. And he was there in the dream. There was, something about him going and checking the mail but he seemed youthful and he seemed upbeat and you know not how i remember him as a person growing up with him because he was very debilitated you know he suffered from diabetes like i do but you know had a lot more of some of the more common um issues you know with his weight and you know, you know, I watched him like deteriorate, you know, mm. before he ended up hospitalized and then finally dying. Um, which I'm sure, you know, there's thoughts around me with that given the COVID thing, because it per- puts me, you know, in the category of high risk. I was at high risk. Yeah. yeah I didn't, I didn't know you had, um, diabetes. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know because I'm not overweight. I don't. Yeah, you always you know, think present as someone who is you know got the diabetes. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's that too, and you know I'm like out there, like in the thick of it, like yeah, you know, right where potential vectors can, and actually I know for a fact have been, um, mm-hmm. you know, so. It's interesting to think like that and realize that, you know, statistically, okay, there's a 72, 73% chance that I might come down with this thing. 73%. That's high. Yeah, no, that's because because of all the factors. And, you know, I ran this through a calculator that someone developed. I'm not sure how they, you know, what kind of information they use to try to develop this. But. I am only 2%, actually it was less than 2%, it was like 1.8, 1.9% likely to become a fatality as a result of it based on the known figures now. So, I mean, it's put, it puts things in perspective. Yeah. Um, but there's still that, you know, that 2% is out there, you know, regardless. And Yeah, it's not nothing. No, it's not nothing. It's, it's not yeah. zero. Everything, you know, friends who have heart, you know, heart problems or, you know, weaker hearts. And it's a real issue that there's this pandemic. It's dangerous. I feel that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So that's a scary dream. How do you, how do you, I mean, obviously it's like what's happening <coughs> in our lives, you know, how do you see it as, does that have something to teach us? What is the lesson in that dream? Hmm. Um. I mean, the first thing that pops in my head is be careful what you wish for. Um, That's literally Mm -hmm. just like not really thinking about it. I guess we all want this to end. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but it's got to be the right time. And I think like for anything that comes into our lives, um, sometimes things come to us that we want so badly. Um, we want to believe they're real and they may not be, it may be illusory. It might be transitory. And, you know, we've got to use our common sense and trust our gut, you know, cause very much what was going on for me in that dream was, it was about a gut feeling that this is not ready to happen yet. Really? And this is going to be bad. Um, wow. Yeah. I got, I got that feeling. I mean, I was thinking that, um, that in my projection of the dream, um, that I'm really wanting something positive. I'm really, I'm, I'm really wanting to see all this beautiful, like erotic and playful and, and, you know, kind of normalcy as it were. Mm -hmm. And, um, like and yet there's, you know, it's almost like the, you know, like my unconscious is giving me this very brief momentary gift of this of life, real, just ju juicy life happening. Mm -hmm. And then something else just goes, which, wait a second, hold on, kind of hold you back. Like some, some more uh, realistic yeah. aspect of the I psyche is going to work. Something just kind of. Yeah. And I think, you know. As you're saying that, I mean, I've had some personal stuff going on where that, those kind of questions have been coming up for me a lot. Um, and I think, you know, that's mulling around in the back of my head, you know, mm. uh, just like the idea of something that just seems so good that, you know, you doubt whether or not it's real. Mm. Um you know, and at what point do you actually, you know, take that leap and play the fool in the tarot deck and step off of the cliff into the unknown? Yeah. yeah. It's a scary thing. And everything feels like it's unknown right now. It feels like yeah. we're all stepping collectively off of a precipice into God knows what. Like, it just feels like a whole other reality tunnel. It, it reminds me of my dream in a certain way too, like being born into some new thing, you know, where I, I'm, I'm still in the, I'm going to die and who's going to bury me. I'm not even, I haven't, my spirit hasn't even jumped off the edge yet, you know, yeah. but it, it sort of feels like it's coming maybe from that same place, mm -hmm. that same collective unconscious the unknown place. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of so much unknown, but you know, I say, I say, take the leap into happiness. <laughs> <laughs> take yeah i mean you have in order to take that leap you need to be able to trust that the universe will catch you, uh, you know, it, will, it will <laughs> i believe that i mean you know i'm not so pollyanna but i do i do really <laughs> believe that <laughs> well i mean i have to say you know i've been through some crazy stuff in my life and you know there have been some rough spots but I feel to a certain degree, it's been like a cat with nine lives. I've, you know, mm -hmm. fall off the roof, land on my feet and walk away and kind of like shake it off and go, yeah, I meant to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, you know it, and maybe to people on the outside, it looks easy mm. and it never is really. I mean, it's Nothing always really hard. <laughs> Nothing is really all that easy, but you know, 
hey, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't feel like I'm intentionally projecting any kind of illusion about any of that. And there have certainly been times um, when I've been more vocal um, about what's going on with me, maybe to the point of being annoying about it. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that it's important that we as a collective communicate this kind of stuff with each other and share Mm -hmm. our experiences. Um, Mm -hmm. because you never know when one thought or insight you had into a situation or the way you're making your way through it can help somebody else. And, you know, as a collective, that's how we all get through this kind of stuff. I totally agree. And I think, you know, we're in this culture where there's so much like about appearance and look and perfection and, you know, nobody wants to appear weak or vulnerable. And it's just, I, I like drink that stuff in when people are vulnerable and they just really tell their real true story. It's like, yeah, I want to follow you. I don't want that guy who looks like me perfect and his nice teeth and everything. You know, like there's just a lot out there on Facebook, you know, where people I are like, follow. you can get this, you know, whatever yeah. fabulous something or other. And I'm just like, no, just give me the person who's a little messy, but still has the good message, you know, you know, Jacinda Arden, what is she, the prime minister of um, New Zealand? Oh, I don't know who that is. Wonderful. She's wonderful. When there was a shooting in the mosque, she banned like all AR-15s or whatever. Those oh, yeah. Are. And um, and she's just, she's just amazing. So I wanted her to be my leader. <laughs> what does that have to do with the vulnerability and the sort of sharing your deeper story? Right. Well, you're talking about, you know, what you're you're seeing on Facebook, you know, all of this, how to be a better transformed human, you know? Yeah. And yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm reflecting on also Facebook and what I'm seeing and she's, she's mm. just on my mind. She's oh, <laughs> I like the way she's handling this pandemic. Yeah, she's pretty. She is pretty. She's, she's amazing. Pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, when what are their plans to reopen? I wonder. You know, what are New Zealand plans? I don't know. Yeah, I've heard different things from different people in different countries. Like I have a friend in Czechoslovakia, and they were actually talking about shutting the entire country down, essentially, and closing the borders and basically like super lockdown. Like they were, you know, she was saying like a lot of people have like, you know, work in the city and they have an apartment in the city. So they'll be in Budapest or whatever, you know, during the week. And, and everybody's got like farmhouses and country houses way out. And they, you know, normally just go back and forth. What the government's been telling people is that, no, you need to stay in your primary residence, which for most people, their legal primary residence is their little apartment in the city. And, you know, my friend's got a, you know, decent sized family and two large wolfhounds, you know, that doesn't work really well in the middle of an urban environment when you can't go anywhere. Um, So, yeah. And people have been like turned away, like and stopped by the police and trying to go to their homes, you know, so it's every country is dealing with it a little bit differently, but some of the stuff is, you know, pretty extreme. Sweden. I know at first they didn't lock down. 
they handled it a little differently, but then they started getting cases and they were reevaluating mm. their system. Does anyone know? What kind of yeah, I'm going to check that. That's something I'd like to check out because some of the, you know, the, those Scandinavian countries in general seem to be yes. a lot more laid back with regard to civil rights and, you know, general human liberties. Um, yeah much more so than the u.s um in a lot of ways so it's certainly something to look at and maybe you know we should be modeling that rather than what we're doing here but right now things are i'm particularly in new york um things are effed up pretty badly and people are dying as a result of it yeah and now we've got you know a governor who's in a pissing contest with our president you know and more vice versa i mean they you know both of them have a little bit of this male braggadocio thing going on to a degree they're both new yorkers (laughs) yeah they both are so (sighs) interesting times yeah really interesting Hmm. really interesting so may i share my dream please Mm -hmm. So I had a dream about this very special, I think it's antique, a little pillbox with uh, the Queen of Hearts card painted on it. It's like a little, I don't think it's porcelain, but it's like a precious little pillbox. And um, it used to belong to my mom. And, you know, I see it around often, but it doesn't have like a spot where where it lives. So I thought I dreamed about it, but then I thought, oh no, I probably just saw it on my dresser. And then I looked at the dresser and in fact, it wasn't there. And I went back to sleep like the another the next night. And um, in fact, it was there, this uh, Queen of Hearts pillbox, this precious um, heirloom that used to belong to my mom. And, and that was really it. I mean, there's probably more, but I don't remember. Hmm. Uh, well, I know your mom is super important to you. Um, you know, and she comes up a lot in these conversations. Um, so I was going to ask initially if it was a real object. Um, is it was the dream version of it just like the real thing, or was it somehow enhanced in any way? Um, let me think about that. That's a really good question. I'm not sure. I think it was the same ish. <laughs> I um but I I woke up thinking of the line in the Grateful Dead song Deal when Jerry says, I could tell the Queen of Diamonds by the way she shines. And goes on, but uh, this was this was Queen of Hearts, uh-huh. you know. But I, you know, woke up thinking of the Queen of Diamonds, both red cards. Hmm. Yeah. So for me, I mean, um, regular playing cards and tarot cards have a crossover. The the tarot. Some people think that it may have originally derived from regular playing cards, or the other way around that this thing was out there and people just started using them um as playing cards as well 
um, the equivalent tarot card of the Queen of Hearts would be the Queen of Cups, um, which is the queen of the element of water, um, water being identified with emotion and, um, you know, just love in general. Um, you could say, you know, almost like she's the female equivalent of a grail guardian, um, you know, a being that preserves the holy waters in the cup. Um, a grail guardian. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in the grail mysteries, you have, there's a couple of women in Arthurian tradition that could be referred to as being grail guardians, but, um, you know, the symbolism of water comes up a lot. Um, water is also one of those things that, you know, the cup piece um, has to do with the other world and uh, transformation as well. Um, but yeah, certainly about emotions. And Jessica, you're a Scorpio, right? I am not. I'm a. You're not. Okay, but you have a Scorpio moon. That's what we had in common, right? But I'm a I knew there was a Scorpio thing. There is a Scorpio thing. Okay. But I'm water. But you are water. Okay. And I'm Pisces. Yeah. So Pisces is ruled by water. Um, it's interesting. So the Queen of Hearts was on the lid of this thing. Yes, it's like painted on. And is that really what the pillbox looks like? It does. It's really okay. pretty. It's cute. And I, I've i used it a couple of times, you know, to bring a pill. Here, there's big. It's like, you know, it's like inch and a half, two inches big. And um, so I have put a pill in it a time or two. But it, it, it doesn't really have, I don't have that. I don't have memory of my mom using it maybe maybe i do somewhere in there you know but it's not like a sentimental it's just really pretty yeah but it's definitely sentimental because it's connected to your mom i mean anything connected to your mom i would see as being very sentimental for you considering how much she you know her loss your loss of her has impacted you um you know, just based on the conversations that we've had, you know, here and otherwise, I know that that was huge for you Um, and that it probably broke your heart when she died. Five years old, you know, that's that's a kid. (laughs) So I'm, can I just interject here for a second? I'm just having this thought as the projection that um, even though you don't think she used it that much and you don't use it that much, that somehow it's con- it's a thing that um, potentially contains medicine of some sort and that perhaps there's medicine in that, like maybe from your yeah, mother. I got that. Yeah. You know, some kind of an oh, energetic, yeah, like, yeah. you know. I love that. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm wobbling here. I'm, <laughs> Me too. I can't sit it's my uh, yeah my computer's on my on my lap so um they they do call them laptops yes they do (laughs) um yeah so i just that was just a of diamonds brendan is that uh yeah diamonds are uh the equivalent well would be spades in a regular playing deck uh sorry not spades yeah diamonds um let's see so spades are swords Diamonds, I think, are the equivalent of a pentacle. Um, so yeah. it's about the material world, um, coin, okay. you know, uh, earth. 
um, you know, but diamonds are, you know, hard, abrasive things, you know, so queen of diamonds wouldn't necessarily be someone you want to get along with it. You know, you got to think about what the queen of hearts in Alice in Wonderland was like, yeah. you know, there's that piece um, off with their heads and all, you know, she was not a warm fuzzy. Um, so I don't know. But, you know, I think of the queen of hearts as being like the ruler of the realm of emotion um what you got at ellen with with the box maybe containing some kind of medicine and just the fact that it is actually a container um mm-hmm. it's meant to hold something mm-hmm. um but it was in the pipe in ellen's dream i'll take it out of the pipe and put it in the queen put that in your pipe and smoke it um <laughs> Right, you yeah. have the medicine, and I have the pipe. Yeah, <laughs> and let's go all out to Washington Square Park and yeah, party. Yeah, with exactly, and have like a party. Mm-hmm. And yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we do deserve that for a minute, right? We do deserve a little respite from the intensity of all of this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's true. Opening too early, you know. I mean, untold tragedy can await us. I know that. Ooh, what you just said made me like have this image in my head um, about opening, opening your heart, mm. and opening your heart too early, you know, mm. can be detrimental, you know, because you're leaving yourself vulnerable uh, to whatever unknowns again. But what was there anything you were doing with the pillbox in the dream, Jessica? Um, I think I was looking for it to bring it with me. I was I was going to an event. I think I was bustling around, getting ready to go to this event. I was looking for my pillbox. You know what the event was, or or why it was important to bring the pillbox with you. Oh, I'm I'm late. I'm supposed to take a pill. That was that was in the dream. I'm supposed to take a pill around this time every night. So, but I don't go out much. But when I go out, then if I could bring it with me, but I've only used that pillbox like once or twice. You know, it seems like the perfect thing to bring a pill with me. You know. Hmm. So you were late. That's. To me, I'm automatically thinking about the rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. Yes, me too. <laughs> I'm late. I'm late. And he was late for a date with the Queen of Hearts. Oh, interesting. Awesome. <laughs> were you were you saying that you you like in waking life you were late in taking a pill? Or were you saying in no, the dream? I, oh no, I was saying I just glanced at the clock it's and i was saying oh, oh okay. 9 17 yeah. it's time to take it now i'm not late it's oh oh but so but there is a pill that needs to be taken now <laughs> i wasn't sure if you were in still in dream now in like 11 or something <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah mm. like whimsical brendan i like the whimsical that you can bring to that dream you know, it's mm. very it does have that real Alice in Wonderland feel. 
this little box, this little pill box. I'll find it. If I do find it, I'll, I'll bring it to one of our dream groups. Yeah, I love objects like that because they um, elicit so much connection to the world of dreams. Like artistic creations and objects of beauty like that, to me, automatically can become a gateway to that world because they have originated from someone's imagination and their imaginal world and they brought that and somehow made it flesh, so to speak. Um, you know, any creative person who makes things like probably to a certain degree feels like they're giving birth um, to objects. And I really find that particularly to be true of well-crafted objects like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons I really love Japanese art history was like Mm -hmm. seeing all these like gorgeous things that were made out of like lacquered inlaid pearlescent you know ornate wood and you know with designs that originate in nature like stuff like that just fascinates the hell out of me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well i definitely see the connection with the arts and the dream world yeah right poetry from our dreams and do you paint from your dreams Ellen um I I it's funny that you say that because I'm looking over there because there's my art tables right there um I I sometimes do um I was for a while I was doing like a dream journal like a instead oh. of writing I would just I paint know. whatever I you know they weren't like pretty paintings they were just like a feeling thing or you know yeah. um but I haven't done that in a long time. And um, my my art lately has been, um, it's almost like when I'm doing something else, like for example, I was on the phone with someone having a really intense conversation, but I was painting at the same time so that my mind wasn't on the painting. It wasn't getting too precious or I wasn't thinking about really wanting to make this imagery or that imagery or this scenario. I was just letting, it was just flowing. So in a way, it's almost like a dream world. You know, it's almost like I create, I'm creating that. Yeah. yeah. And last, last week I was uh, on a dance, Zoom dance church thing, which was incredibly fun. Yeah, it was in. This was the one in Encinitas, actually. I've been doing oh. one because my I have a friend who's out there, and she invited me, and so I've been doing them, and it's been fun, and I've been sort of getting to know the people just because I've done it maybe four times so far. Um, but I wasn't so into the music for a little while, so I decided to go over to my art table, and I turned my computer over to my art table, mm. and I was listening to music and kind of dancing a little bit and painting at the same time, and sensing that I was being witnessed, even though I have no idea whether yeah. anybody was, there was so many people in the group, but you know, my, my sense was that I was being seen and witnessed and there was something so sort of authentic movement about that, so, that. which is kind of a dream ish kind of world. Very much, very much. So yeah. So I, I do like cool. to create out of that space. Yeah. know, um, Alex Gray at the chapel of sacred mirrors does events, um, where, they often do live painting while they've got bands or some DJ playing there. And, you know, it's it's very interactive and it's interesting to watch, you know, Mm. 
Alex Gray and, you know, some of his students and Alex is just like this weird animated elf, like person, like he's tall and thin and has long silver gray hair and a ponytail. And he's always seems to be upbeat, you know, and just, you know, that kind of thing has fascinated me that someone, you know, who is highly disciplined as an artist can Mm -hmm. like kind of let go and, you know, do that kind of work in an environment that is almost like a nightclub in some ways. Yeah. I always thought that was really cool. Like, yeah, I know that it's kind of a thing that some people has been done where people they're painting almost as a performance. Like there's music playing and people yeah, are milling about, but yeah. they're painting and it's kind of like they're, yeah, it's almost, I, love I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> me too. Yeah. There's something about the witness for me. That's what it is. There's yeah. something about being witnessed that I really, um, I think we all want to be witnessed. It's why I love authentic movement. It's why I'm going to eventually soon do a group online somehow um, because I think we all love being just, well, I don't know if we love it, but I think it's so important to our mental well-being um, to be able to be seen. And that's why I love the dream work too, because here we are sharing something very deep and vulnerable and we're able to like see each other in it and reflect back and question and explore. And it's cool. Yeah. And and the sharing is interesting because it does, uh, allow you to sometimes have things pop for yourself when somebody else is sharing a dream and yes. something in the symbolism of their dream just speaks to you and you're like eureka like wow when that made so much sense in so many different ways yeah. like yes exactly the collective the collective yeah. truth of all of yeah i love that i love that about sharing dreams yeah. too it's like well i never would have thought of that but that's brilliant yeah right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, the collective part too, it's like, you know, I think for me, a lot of the stuff I relate to from more of like a Jungian perspective. So like the idea of the collective unconscious, you know, that being out there and that informing our dream life is one that I really take very seriously. Like um, people who say they have like premonition dreams about things, um, I think are more tapped into that collective piece and you know whatever they call the zeitgeist of you know the moment is speaking to them and giving them information however it is you know that's something that happened to me like right before 9-11 I was having a lot of dreams that involved wars in the Middle East (laughs) yeah yeah I know that I was having a tremendous amount of anxiety right before that. Like I was just, my own, you know, anxiety didn't have like a, it didn't have a, a form. It was just this formless, deep anxiety. And yeah, and then that happened. So I must've been picking up on something. Yeah. I had a strange experience. I was hiking in my backyard, with my then dog, Redwood. And I just started, I just got very sad and I started crying and I thought oh my gosh did my grandmother die and I hurried home and my phone was ringing it was my sister and I said did Nana die and she said no but we're under attack and then she told me I mean we're on on the phone together when the tower fell over the you know and I was in disbelief I wasn't watching it I was seeing it through her eyes oh wow 
Wow. Yeah. I watched it happen. I have a picture of it, actually. The second I watched the second plane, the second tower being hit. I saw it from my from Flatbush Avenue where I lived in Brooklyn. Yeah. You saw the second plane. Yeah. It hit the building. Yeah. You know, you were on the lookout because the first one had I had just done my like loop around the park, which is just my normal thing, like a three and a half loop mile loop, you know, like early morning, but I was, it was early in the morning. It was earlier than usual for me. And I had gone around twice because I was so anxious. And that's what I was, I, that's how I yeah. kind of burned off my anxiety. Yes. And by the t- second time I came around, I saw smoke and I was like, oh, that's weird. I didn't, first of all, I didn't even know you could see the towers from where I lived because I just never looked like up that way. And I just, I could, I couldn't register it. I just couldn't register. I thought there was a fire and I just couldn't register what had happened. And then I went into a coffee shop right, right on that corner there and everybody was glued to her TV. And I just, I could not process what they were like saying about it. And then I just went out back out to the corner and there it was, the second one hit. And and all the other people were inside. Well, no, we all, yeah, I think, I don't remember. There was a lot of people already standing in the corner watching it happen. Yeah, it was crazy. That was, oh my God, that day. I remember every second of that day. Yeah. You know, a little perspective, I think 4,000 people died in that terrorist attack. How many people have died in this pandemic? Yeah, seven thousand in New York, right? In New York alone, I think it's well, like actually it's over that now, but I think you know, like already more than doubled the fatality rate for that. Globally, is that correct? I don't know, but this is this is yeah, crazy. it's pretty incredible. Incredible, yes. Wow. Yeah, one of, one of the things that I've been doing, um, I do do this Buddhist meditation on online, usually from six to six thirty, and um, we do this Tonglen meditation, which is basically compassion. You know, like taking in suffering and breathing out compassion and love and peace and light and all that. And I've been actually sending that energy to the souls that are lost, that are like beautiful. I feel like it's something that I, yeah, some way that I can be useful that my I, energy. I want to know how are people praying I want to know I have my own ways and you know I love that way I love that you know mm-hmm. sending love to the souls who now just will be sort of help them move on because it's like yeah it's like Brendan you were talking about your your grandfather yeah being stuck in a bardo state and stuck in how awful can you imagine how awful I mean I really do believe that there's something I don't, you know, know exactly what, but I know that there's something and it isn't, it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be that we live in that state, right? So it's like to help people like get, yeah, get, yes. get freedom. Yes, yes. Out of the confusion of what just happened. Mm-hmm. And I've yeah. been praying a lot for um, like consolation, like grief work for the families, mm. special loved ones. It's traumatic. People are dying alone. People can't get to their loved ones' yeah. bodies. Bodies are being, you know, I guess, are they still contagious? I don't know. You know, it's very upsetting. So I've been, yeah. I've been doing that, sending a lot of love and prayer, blessings, you know, to the ones left behind. Yeah, that's a yes. wonderful thing to do. It's funny, like, you know, people are using the word prayer so much lately, like way more than they normally do. Um, 
having been raised Catholic, I've got a real block against the mm-hmm. idea of, you know, sort of like trying to petition the Lord with prayer, or as mm-hmm. Jim Morrison would say, um, you know, kind of, I think for me, there's personally, there's been like this emotional block around the idea of prayer that I've been struggling with during all of this. Um, I'm just wondering how that might manifest in my dream life, you know? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. What, what do you think? What do you think about that? Do you have any? Yeah, well, I mean, it's resonating all the stuff that's coming up with um, Jessica's dream centered around the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, your dream having to do with the idea of marriage and transformation, um, there seems to be a little bit of continuity there. Like, you know, a marriage is obviously a very significant emotional event, you know, that's about love and it's about unification. Um, you know, the queen of hearts is, you know, the ruler of love. She's the embodiment of love. She's almost like Venus, um in some ways you know and i don't know i mean i guess and even the feeling that i had in my dream like being in the crowd like when that longing to be able to want to be able to be celebratory like the people in the square were um it's all about the heart um Mm -hmm. and that's where i personally have been feeling blocked around something like the idea of prayer. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, you know, you, you could think about it as love instead of prayer. Yes. I mean, maybe, maybe that's the place. I don't know if if that, yeah. Like if you're if you're able to feel like the sense of love and, and that that's, that's a prayer to me. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, it's got to come like, in the form of like an agape form of love, uh-huh. you know, brotherly love, if oh, you would. Yeah, absolutely. You mean to, to out to people, to, to yeah. people who are yeah. suffering or whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Just exactly. Gun too. Do you ever see that wonderful meme of all these kids? I don't know. They live somewhere in Africa running together, holding hands. And the teacher wrote, I promised the first one to get to that tree would get a candy. So <laughs> they held hands and ran together. Oh, the word for that was Ubuntu, which is like all in so So they're just going together. They're not they're competing. Going together. That's so, so, so much. I know. There's no competing. <laughs> competing for, you know, me over you guys. Right. They're all going to get it. They're all going to share it. Yes. Yes. Very, very sweet. Yeah, it's funny. They're in the computer world. There's actually an alternative operating system called Ubuntu. That's oh. um, open source, basically. Oh. So, oh, wow. yeah, everybody gets it. And it's got a lot of the same functionality of, like, you know, what you would need to do if you had a regular Windows computer. You, you know, got word processors, the whole everything. And mm-hmm. people build software for the platform and share it freely. And it's all like freely available. So that that's the spirit of that. That's yes. way cool. Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't know that story and where the word came from like that. Mm-hmm. But wow. Makes a lot more sense to me now. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping we'll do dream groups regularly, guys. 
So I was thinking, because we want Carla, Dr. Carla Mazio to join us uh, and other others too. Um, I was thinking Sundays, but I didn't understand what you said, Brendan. Did you say every other eight weeks or 10 weeks you have to work on a Sunday? Um, yeah, every other 10 weeks I am on call. So I end up at working on the weekends and basically means that you know, I'm carrying a laptop and a cell phone for the company and I take emergency calls from OBGYN doctors at three in the morning because they can't get on to the system, you know, okay. and they've got somebody birthing a baby and they need to see their charts. Okay. So it's like totally random, like when I get the calls. Um, Sundays, though, don't work for me because oh, one way I've been socializing um, lately is a friend of mine has an open um, online. Dungeons and Dragons campaign, oh. which has been, oh, I have no, to say, no, one no, way no, that, does that. Yeah, and I have not done it since I was in my early 20s. And you so 30 years later, my son had, had expressed interest in learning how to play the game. Uh-huh. And my friend like put this forward and he's like, well, let's do an online game. And, you know, it's really filled the well for me creatively. And a little bit socially too, because it's something I'm doing with other people online. Um, But as you know, it really helps. You have to develop a character in this fantasy world. So there's a lot of creativity that goes into that. You got to think about their origin, you know, who they are, why they do the stuff they do. And does it make sense in the context of, you know, the characters, And then you, you take, you know, Tim, my ex-husband, Tim used to play also. And so you, but I never got into it. He just tried to explain it to me and I was kind of like, what? Um, But you take the character like all through with you, right? It's like once you develop a character, that's just your character and you just take it all through the game. Yeah. Throughout the campaign, at least. And some people will play multiple campaigns and have multiple characters. Mm -hmm. Um, What was interesting for me when I was young, I would, you know, play with a group of people and sometimes, you know, be just me and one person who was the dungeon master. And I had created a whole party of people and I got to play all of them. And they were all like, when I think about it, they were all like different aspects of my own personality and very cool things I wanted to do for myself. (laughs) So it's kind of cool. You get to explore. I'm trying to think of what the word is. The, the pieces of your personality. Yeah, of your psyche. Of your, your psyche, yeah. yeah. It's really you, you, And you, yeah. you can be a good person, you can be a bad person. Yeah. You don't, you have free reign. Figure out who, huh. who you want to be. You know, you be the bad dude and you get to, you know, you get it all figured out. That's great. I love how maybe, maybe as part of your character um, creation, you can find some way to um, work with that heart thing, you know, the prayer or whatever, whatever stuckness, you know, whatever, however you put that. I don't, I don't remember the exact words you used. Yeah. Well, I mean, I it, it, that could work because I mean, the character is sort of conflicted in some ways as part of his backstory is that um, he's a little bit of a charlatan but he'll never cheat anybody who, you know, doesn't deserve to be cheated. Mm. And that's because at some point he did something like, you know, 
which ended up hurting somebody as a result of it. And he has remorse around it. Uh, so he's trying to do. He's trying to, to make up for his failings. Yeah. yeah. That's, cool. that's a very cool point. way to be able to, I don't know, work, your, work out your own stuff. I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Cool beans. Anyway, so maybe, so, so the, the upshot of that is Sunday doesn't work for Brendan. <laughs> yeah, basically. In a nutshell. Sorry, that was a long explanation. So um, I just want to find a time that that will work for both you and Carla. So you guys are all on the East Coast, right? You're are you all in upstate New York? Yes. Yep. Okay. And surrounding areas. It's late there though for you now. It's that would be too late for me. Nine thirty. Twenty to ten. Yeah, for me, like I wouldn't be able to do it as late I'm as that. Dating, for me, it's perfect. A bit early. But, um. <laughs> So, so interesting. Thank you for sharing those dreams. So I look forward. I just want to find a time where we can do this. Yeah, we'll put it back out there and bounce it around. Um, yeah. I'll look at my schedule again. Awesome. Yeah, this was next, great. Next week I, I should be free anytime, though, because I'm going to be on furlough. So oh, yeah. theoretically, oh. theoretically, we're supposed to do one week on, one week off. But I still haven't had. Oh, oh is, that, is that how they're going to furlough you guys? Yeah, no, they they already made that decision, but it, my role is weird because normally they have two people covering the different sites. I'm only one person. So, you know, if they have two people, they can do A, B, A, B, you know, but with me, there's one guy. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. They don't, I haven't really told me how they're supposed to work it yet. So, it could be that I might not actually be on furlough. They might have me working through the whole thing anyway, but. Hmm. They told me to plan to be on furlough, so we'll see. that's what I'm going yeah. with right now. That's All right, well, we'll, we'll communicate. Yeah, find another time. Thank you so much again for sharing your dreams, Brendan Merritt and Ellen Ronis, and I'm Yiska Cook. This is the Dream Stream. Hope you enjoyed. Until we meet again. Yeah. Sweet dreams, everyone. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.